Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Let's go. Ready? From the top. favorite shows on TV have 12 minutes of advertising. I can't get behind that kind of time. Eat quickly, drive faster, make more money now. I can't get behind that. My kids say, he said to me and I'm like, and he's like, and she's like, it's all he's all, she's all. I can't get behind that kind of like English. That'll be six to eight weeks before delivery. The rising oceans, the warming temperatures. The dying polar bears, no tigers in 50 years. Rising poison in the air and water. I can't understand why the price of gas suddenly rises when oil goes up. But takes months to go down long after oil falls. First of all, I just have to say, that's now the official opening music. Anytime we're doing an all-call show, you hear that music, it means it's all calls. Today is all calls. It's because you heard that music. See, see the connection I'm trying It's a Pavlovian connection that I'm inviting you to make. Hi, I'm Colin. Welcome to the show. You know, this song is slightly out of, out of date now. It's not 50 years. I mean, like a lot of the things. And for that matter, it's not 68 weeks for delivery anymore. A lot of things have changed since uh, William Shatner and Henry Rollins went into the studio with Ben Folds. Uh, but uh, that's still, that's always going to be the all calls thing. So the number... So think of the number or the topic first. I'll think of the number. 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. Now, the topic that I want to talk about today is kind of multi-layered. There aren't any guests, so you know you're welcome to call in. And I, I sort of feel as though the topic is do we at this, this moment have too much freedom? Uh, as a planet, do we have too much freedom? I mean, yes, I know what you're going to want to talk about today, and we're going to talk about it, which is, yes, these rich guys going into space. And, I mean, I'll just say this, and then I'm going to backtrack and kind of frame this up a little bit more. But, you know, like I listened to some of the other public radio coverage of this, and I think it starts in the wrong place. It should start with the premise that this is an obscenity. That's where they should start. This is an obscene use of resources at a time in which the planet is imperiled and a time at which good judgment, sacrifice, reserve, mitigation, these are things we should be thinking about. These people should be helping to lead this conversation. It is an obscenity that Bezos and Branson and Musk <laughs> it sounds like wink and blinking and nod, doesn't it? It should be very easy to write that parody right away. Wink, you know, Bezos, Branson, and Musk went to went into the sky in a cardboard husk. Anyway, it's it's an obscenity. That's where you should start. If you're a if you're one A or any, you start with the idea that this is an obscenity until proven otherwise. Until they can make a case for it, it's wrong. They shouldn't be doing it. It's frivolous. And it is vanity driven. And ultimately, as a planet, we have to put our foot on the neck of this thing before it gets out of control. Uh, All right. But let me just sort of circle around and come to this from a different point of view, because that's not where I started the day. I started the day not really understanding how big a part of the conversation that was going to need to be. 
I started the day, first of all, thinking, as I so often do, about COVID and about vaccination. And I was thinking about the fact that we have to have a longer, bigger conversation about how willing we are to indulge people's freedom around this particular topic um, and, and around this particular issue in our society. And I, I had a sort of sort of shocking moment, if that's the right word, uh, on the weekend. I was reading this piece in the New York Times about Arkansas because in Arkansas they have really bad problems. Uh, and it was kind of an anecdotal uh, piece. Uh, they, well, I'll just read you the piece, okay? I'll read you the top of the piece because this is what got to me. Um, when the boat factory in this leafy Ozark mountain city offered free coronavirus vaccinations this spring, Susan Johnson, 62, a receptionist there, declined the offer, figuring she was protected as long as she never left her house without a mask. Linda Marion, 68, a widow with chronic pulmonary disease, worried that a vaccination might trigger COVID-19 and kill her. Barbara Billigmeyer, 74, an avid golfer who retired here from California, believed she did not need it because, quote, I never get sick. Last week, all three were patients on 2 West, an overflow ward that is now largely devoted to treating COVID-19 at Baxter Regional Medical Center. Mrs. Billigmeyer said the scariest part was that, quote, you can't breathe. For 10 days, Mrs. Johnson had relied on supplemental oxygen being fed to her lungs through nasal tubes. Mrs. Marion said that at one point, or Ms. Marion said at one point she felt so sick and frightened that she wanted to give up. It was just terrible, she said. I felt like I couldn't take it. Now, just for a little bit of context, because there's one more sentence to go, or maybe two. Um, if you, I was reading it in the physical New York Times, which I still have delivered, which maybe I shouldn't because that's like a waste of resources too. But anyway, I was reading it in the physical New York Times. I only get it Friday, Saturday, Sunday now. Uh, and... That's where the jump was from page one. Where I just stopped is like where the jump to the inner page was. So I turned in there because I wanted to see the part where these three women said, we were fools. <laughs> this is a very serious disease and people should get vaccinated. Instead, the next line I read once I turned the page was, yet, despite their ordeals, none of them changed their minds about getting vaccinated. Quote, it's just too new, Mrs. Billigmeyer said. It's like an experiment. No, you're like an experiment. <laughs> you're like an experiment to see what happens when people don't get vaccinated in the middle of a pandemic. And we found out what happened. You got really sick and you still don't think you should be vaccinated. And, you know, at this point with our caseloads rising and stuff like that, I mean, I really feel as though we need to have a conversation about how far we're willing to go, not only governmentally, you know, uh, although that's part of it. But also in the private sector, I mean, would it make sense to say, you know, yes, you are going to have to have – I mean, I don't know if it's going to be like Contagion where you get that bracelet. Although Contagion, the movie, I mean, figured this out better than we did. Like everybody had those, you know, plastic encased bracelets, you know, which could, which were barcoded. They could be read. I know that would just feed the Alex Jones people. <laughs> they would they, – they'd have to be – they could be blasted into space without the benefit of a rocket. If we did that, they would be so upset. But, um, you know, we might have to have a situation where, no, you can't get on this plane. You can't come to this concert, you know, unless you can prove that you've been vaccinated. But there's going to be a lot of people who don't even want to go that far because we're that committed to notional freedom in this country. You know, that well, that's part of freedom. I should be able to 
to do what I want to do, to kind of indulge whatever whim I have and call that freedom. I don't think those things are the same at all, but it, for a lot of people, they are, okay? And, and to me, the vaccination ride that we're on right now is a test flight for what we're going to do about climate change, which we are no longer anticipating. We are now in the middle of. Um, and there is no way to significantly mitigate the further advance of climate change without curtailing certain freedoms. You ultimately have to do that. People are, I mean, we've already proven <laughs> over the many decades now that people will not voluntarily curb their excesses. And that's where we, I mean, so ultimately we have to make some decisions. What are we going to tell people they can't do? You know, what in this country and, and globally, what are we going to tell people they can't do anymore? What kinds of practices are we going to effectively have to outlaw? Because we're not going to do it with carbon offsets. I mean, carbon offsets are great. The next time I fly, I'm definitely buying a carbon offset. But look, we're all having conversations about carbon offsets. What are these idiots doing? What are Wink and Blinken and Nod, uh, Bezos, Branson, and Musk, what are they doing? I mean, Bezos' dumb rocket that went up today, they launched that 15 times to make, it sh make sure that his rich behind would be safe in it. So what are the carbon offsets for that? Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to pay 150 bucks or something to fly somewhere. You know, I'm an extra 150 bucks, to, and I don't even know how meaningful it is. But this is what they're doing. They should be leading this conversation about what kinds of things we are going to curtail or substantially alter, and they're not going to do it. All right. The number is 865 – no, it's not. 860-275-7266. And I am going to take the first call I've got here, which I think is from Matthew in either – it's Cromwell. He's in Cromwell. Hi, Matthew. Hello. How's it going? Just fine. Tell me about yourself. What's on your mind? Uh, so I'm um, I'm running for uh, mayor of Cromwell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty neat. Um, and I, I've been in, I, I enjoy listening to the conversation because uh, I, it, it affects me where I work. I work at Stop and Shop, and like you know that I started I started working there in the middle of the pandemic, and why I saw when the mask mandate like kind of started to like relax a lot of a lot of people like who weren't vaccinated start, you know, the first people I felt like ready to take the mask off were the people who weren't even vaccinated. Yeah. So um, first of all, you, so basically what you're doing is using my show as a platform uh, for your bid for mayor. I'm not objecting to that. I think it's enterprising. I, I, I'm guessing your campaign is not heavily funded at this point. Maybe you have to make some moves like this one, right? No, I, 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 when I called in, I, the first thing I mentioned was I'm running for mayor. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, no, I get it. I get it. So, the, so let me. Are you running with a particular party? Are you running as an independent? Are you a write-in candidate? What, what are you doing? Um, I'm running. For, I'm running as a Democrat right now. Okay. Um, I'm twenty. I'm twenty-two, almost twenty-three years old. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I like I'm that little noise you just made. You don't want it. No, 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 no. It was fine. It was fine. It was. I mean, it's not really what we're talking about on the show today, exactly. But, um, but it's you know, it's good. It's fine. Are you going to be in some kind of hard-fought primary there? I mean, is there anybody else who wants to be mayor of Cromwell? Uh, I guess is what I'm asking. Nobody, nobody's announced yet. But yeah. a lot of people have been talking about talking about it. It's it's been interesting because, uh, you know, I I got involved with you know because. Well, like because of issues that like you're talking about right now on the show, so yeah. I 
don't know. So what would be your stance on, as the mayor of Cromwell, on, say, let's let's start with that whole question of vaccination and masks? What would, what would be your mayoral well, position? So part of, for me, when I look at the problem, a lot of people, the, the major issue with uh, vaccination rates, because vaccine hesitancy is a major issue right now, but it's not the only issue. A lot of people who haven't gotten vaccinated um, there was a, I, I, I just saw a Pew Research survey that said um, basically people are who they've, the, one of the top reasons was they couldn't afford the uh, side effects because um, they couldn't miss work. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't that they could miss work to get the vaccine because a lot of employers will, you know, give them uh, the day off for that. But it's when they have to come back to work with the side effects. And I know from experience, I tried doing that myself. It's, it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. So that'd be a good and position. Yeah, like that'd be a good position for you would be paid or non-punitive time off for people who get vaccinations and have side effects. I think that's an excellent platform position. And I feel like I've done my part for the Matthew for mayor of Cromwell campaign. <laughs> All right. Um, I sort of like starting with that call, even though it's like, you know, kind of a little bit off topic. But 860-275-7266. I wish him luck. I think he'll be a fine mayor. Uh, All right. Uh, It's not true that you have to be named Matthew to call the show today, but our next caller is also named Matt. Uh, He's from New Haven. Um, So if you're not named Matt, you can still call in. In fact, we might even prioritize you at this point. Uh, 860-275-7266. Hi, Matt. You're on the air. Yeah, my comment is, why can't we just implement vaccine requirements if you're going to come back to school? And, you know, we've already done that with older vaccines and that would cut down on the number, maybe not for younger kids, mm-hmm. but then what if we also incentivized businesses to require proof of vaccination to enter and we could subsidize those businesses through some kind of incentive so that they are part of the program and they're requiring proof of vaccination if you want to come into the venue or the bar or whatever. So it's all voluntary. You know, we're not for except for the school vaccinations, which I think makes sense. But those are two things. Yeah, I, I, think, I think those are, I mean, I, I think you're going to see both of those. Although, as you say, young kids right now not getting vaccinated for COVID. But, um, but I, I think you'll see that. I don't know if you'll see it on a widespread enough basis. Um, I mean, the problem is, that the areas where people, I mean, geographically, the areas where people are willing to implement meaningful solutions are also the areas where people are already getting vaccinated. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. We were at 62 percent in Connecticut. I haven't checked in a while. might be higher now. But, I mean, you know, and, and you can always do better and there's room for improvement and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot, lot of things that we clearly don't understand as well as we have pretended to ourselves that we understand because there are a lot of these breakthrough cases uh, one of the things that's meaningful and important to distinguish between, by the way, which we don't do enough in the news, is that there's a thing called SARS-CoV-2. That's a virus, you know. Um, and then there's the thing called COVID-19. That's a disease. They're not the same thing. One of them causes the other one. And, and the other one need not manifest itself in the presence of the first one. So, uh, but it does appear, for example, that you know the, the vaccines are incredibly effective at preventing expression of that virus in the form of that disease. But that doesn't mean the virus might not be present, as we're seeing again and again. Particularly the people who are being heavily tested uh, are turning out to have the virus present. And we're going to find out more about what that means. It may not mean that much. 
in terms of transmissibility. But we're, I, I, as I said eight days ago when we did a show about this, we're in the middle of something right now. We are not in the aftermath. We are not at the end. We're in the middle of something. All right. So uh, let's uh, talk to Susan just because uh, we've had all guys so far. Uh, Susan in Northward. Hi. You're on the air. Uh, hi. I uh, wanted to comment that um, we've been incentivizing and giving money and having lotteries for people to get vaccinated. In my opinion, I think we should find people who don't get vaccinated who don't have a good medical reason not to. People in this country are unwilling to do anything that doesn't hit them in their pocketbook. And um, this is it's, at this point, my right to live is being infringed upon by their supposed freedom to not vaccinate. And I, 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 I'm really tired of people becoming repositories for new variants, some of which will certainly eventually defeat the vaccines. Right. No, those are all really great points. And I'm glad you put it the way that you did, too, because that's, to me, one of the questions that I love to explore on this show is, you know, we think in terms of carrots instead of sticks because that's more attractive to us. Right. And it's always better, really, if you can get compliance uh, with a carrot rather than a stick. And there's something kind of fundamentally American, I think, about that preference, too. But the truth is, you know, at a certain point, you start running out of carrots um, and you also start running out of time. <laughs> and that's what's happening here. And as Susan aptly points out, the people who are not getting vaccinated, particularly to the extent that they are hosting and being infected with and expressing the disease, are essentially miniature laboratories in which the disease has an opportunity once again to mutate some more. And we could very easily mutate ourselves into a disaster here that you know will escape the vaccines. And the sooner we get to something like 85% immunity, the sooner we stop the disease in its tracks. It doesn't get those opportunities anymore because it can't find a new host. So, it, I mean, it really, you know, I mean, there are a lot of really good upfront reasons for getting vaccinated. But down the road, and not very far down the road, is this other possibility, which is that the longer you let this thing hang around uh, in, in bodies on Earth, the more opportunities it gets to mutate into something that's more dangerous. And we just saw that with Delta variant. You know, it is more dangerous. It's more transmissible. Um, then there, there will be, if we give it enough time, a future variant that's dangerous in a wholly different way. All right. Uh, let's go up to um, uh, Mike in Rocky Hill. And then we'll go to David. Our number, 860-275-7266. I, I maybe in the second segment, well, I'll sort of reintroduce the idea of these um, <laughs> these over-valorized space flights. But we've got a lot of things we need to talk about today. And it's all kind of connected to that idea of freedom and responsibility. Hi, Mike. You're on the air. Hey, Colin. Uh, I saw the New York Times article uh, you did and turned the page at the same spot waiting for the punchline. And <laughs> my head exploded, too, when... These women were, were, you know, not getting the vaccine. But I also saw over the weekend an article on Newsweek about a 24-year-old guy who went to a concert unvaccinated, got COVID, and then ended up getting a double lung transplant. And I thought to myself, well, there's two lungs that were just wasted on a moron. Uh, and just wondering what you, what you thought about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, not knowing the entire backstory, I don't want to be 
quite that judgmental, but but I think your point's a really good one, which is just generally speaking, and lung transplants would be an extreme form of this. But, you know, these are the medical resources of our country. I mean, all three of those women in that Arkansas story are in an overflow ward where nurses are running around deploying equipment on their behalf, deploying oxygen. We actually have an oxygen shortage, a medical oxygen shortage in this country for this reason uh, that, yes, it, it is – it is the case that when you get sick uh, after not after, after having refused to get vaccinated, there's a lot of ways in which the, the larger society bears the brunt of your recalcitrance. So which is another way of saying some moron used up, whatever it was that you said. I just was trying to say it nicer because uh, <laughs> I got into trouble earlier today on Facebook for for saying something about Jeff Bezos. Uh, but anyway, I think your point's a really good one. You know that, yeah, these are our resources. These are resources that have to be shared. They have to be allocated. Uh, and uh, if you turn yourself unnecessarily into an ex- extreme expression of COVID-19, you are using up resources that might have gone to some, I don't want to say more deserving, but more prudent and cautious person who happens to find themselves in another kind of jam. All right. Let's go to David and then we'll take a break. A lot of calls coming in here. Uh, Jonathan McPants, who's our call screener today, very busy, very busy in there. Uh, But we'll get right to Lynn from East Hartford when we get back. Uh, But uh, here's David and Avon. Hi. Hi. How are you, Colin? Nice to hear you. Uh, Nice to hear you too, David. Um. I'm just calling in about recycling versus um, industrial control. And I think it's a drag on society to say, you know, you bring your bottle back. It doesn't help us. And industrial control, um, such as structures for bioplastics that wouldn't be noisy or that could hold a container, et cetera, development R&D, we're making mistakes putting this on the individual, I think. Well, why not both end? I mean, in other words, I don't think recycling, particularly deposit-driven recycling, does nothing. Um, you know, I mean, I think it actually does pull a lot of bottles in uh, and uh, bring, bring back a lot of stuff. And, and as I think as you're alluding to, the other, a lot of the other plastic that we're recycling doesn't really go anywhere except to some neighborhood in Indonesia or something. There's a lot of stuff that you put into those blue bins that the guys come and get for you, the people come and get for you, uh, and they don't know what to – there's nothing they can do with them. You know, there are certain things uh, that can be recycled, but it's a much smaller group than we like to think. So, yeah, I, I love I love what you're thinking, which is that on the producer end, you know, they've got to step up uh, and, and develop something that is either – more easily recycled or has a you know, lower impact on the environment. But I think it can be both in. I think we can put a burn. I mean, really, nothing happens. Very few things happen in this country that are not consumer driven. You know, like if we all decided today to say to Jeff Bezos, you know, if you're going to waste all these resources on these vanity, phallically driven attempts to impress the world with how great you are and create space tourism, which is which we need like a hole in the head or more likely a hole in the ozone layer. If you're going to do that, we're not going to buy your crap from Amazon anymore. I realize he's somewhat economically detached from Amazon at this point. But, you know, in other words, I, but that's that's a lot of how you drive change. You drive change is driven at the consumer level. I mean, if you want these companies to want to do the kind of stuff that you want them to do, which is <laughs> a very inelegantly constructed sentence. Um, but in other words, if you want companies to be incentivized to create 
a more recyclable form of plastic or a lower impact kind of container or you have to create consumer demand for it. They're not just going to do it because they feel like it. Uh, you either have to place government controls on them, which is very difficult to do in this country, uh, or you have to create consumer demand and say, look, we just can't live this way anymore. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to clean up your act. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Um, the number to call, 860-275-7266. There's people on the street get diseases from monkeys. Yeah, that's what I said. They get diseases from monkeys. Now there's junkies with monkey disease. Who's touching these monkeys? Please leave these poor sick monkeys alone. They got problems in opposite ears. Man is lying on the street. Some punks chopped up his head. I'm the only one who stops. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just up my rent last night because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I do want to say that, you know, like back in the 1960s and 70s, a lot of artists like Curtis Mayfield and in this case, Gil Scott Heron, were already anticipating <laughs> the, the way in which the kind of diversion of resources was going to work. Uh, and that, uh, you know, some of these, uh, these interstellar aspirations were going to take the place of actually doing anything meaningful on this planet for people who need help. Um, so... Uh, our number is 860-275-7266. I'm trying to kind of link these two or three issues together. I'm not sure they 100% go together, but I'm forcibly yoking them. Um, and so the issues are kind of, A, what do you do? I mean, it's now clear that we we're hit, we found kind of where the voluntary vaccination wall is in this country. It's somewhere around 48%, you know, which is not enough. Um, so what do you do? I mean, how far are you willing to go? Uh, are you willing to legally require it? Are you willing to 
as one caller said, incentivize it. But incentivize it really I – I think incentivize is the wrong word. Incentivize it is like, yeah, here's – you get into in a lottery and maybe you'll win $10 million or you know, we're going to give everybody a free hot dog uh, if they get vaccinated. That's incentivizing. And then there's kind of the next level. The next level is uh, you, you, in fact, restrict people from things that they want. Uh, so no, you can't go to this concert because you're not vaccinated. You can't go, you can't eat here because you're not vaccinated. We only let vaccinated people in here. Um, you can't continue working on the premises of this place of employment where you have previously worked unless you get vaccinated. Um, you can't attend this college unless you get vaccinated. Uh, some of these things are already being tested in the courts. I kind of look. I, I don't see any reason why. They would not; those kinds of restrictions would not prevail. So, but a lot of it is ultimately sort of saying saying goodbye to this amorphous and ill-conceived American notion of freedom. I mean, we 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 value freedom; we cherish freedom. There are freedoms that are incredibly important, freedoms that we can enumerate. But indulging every single little whim at the expense of the public good is not a freedom. That's not among the freedoms contemplated by the founders, even. So, and I realize that there's sort of an argument that yeah, it depends on how you look at it. But but I'm suggesting that maybe the way that you should look about it, look at it, is the way that I'm phrasing it right now, because we are going to have to deal with this on steroids if we're going to deal with climate change. It's not going to be as simple as whether you get a shot or not. It's going to be all kinds of lifestyle sectors, all kinds of choices that you make, typically that you have been typically free to make. Uh, you are going to have to live with less freedom or we're just going to incinerate this planet. You know, I mean, uh, and, and so our addiction to freedom is going to be significantly challenged in the next decade. Uh, and if we're smart, we will let go of some of that the way you do with any addiction. And then I, the third element here to me is the, the most potent symbol of this is that the people who could be among the thought leaders on this question are people like Bezos and Branson and Musk. And what are they doing? They're getting their rich behinds shot into space. You know, these are incredibly environmentally destructive programs. I mean, among other things, you're engaging in propellant emissions in the stratosphere, in the upper atmosphere, which is, I mean, it's like, you know, why wait? Why wait for the CO2 to start down here on this planet and get up there and cause trouble? Let's just cause the trouble right up there where, you know, it'll just, these emissions are going to sit in the upper atmosphere for two or three years, too. If you put water up there, it's a problem. So imagine, you know, having every rich idiot who can afford a rocket trip going up there. All right. Oh, look at all these calls. <laughs> um, all right. Let's go. I said Lynn, so I, I, I meant it. And Lynn is going to go first. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Um, what I wanted to say is that I, I'm really upset with many. Can you hear me? Now? Yeah, yeah. We're just fine. Oh, okay. I'm I'm really upset with many loved ones because, you know, my husband and I, you know, we got vaccinated. We have health issues, but what, when we look at members of our family, they're not only putting themselves as young adults at risk, they're putting their teenage children at risk. They're putting their little children at risk. And it, it really, really upsets me. Um, and the excuses go from, Really, they haven't studied it, really, or they've studied it on Trump television, you know, mm -hmm. or they're connected politically. And it's like, what are you going to have to do? Lose your child's life before you're going to decide that maybe you're going to get vaccinated to protect your own life? 
So my remedy is, you know, I'm thinking, what's your price? And you know what? People do change their minds when there's a lot of money involved. And I think it's only fair that all of us that went and got um, our vaccines, that there should be a national um, uh, lottery on a three-month or one-month basis. And everybody who's gotten the vaccine, they stay in it every time. And as new people come in, they can be part of this big lottery to win a big chunk of money because people will be swayed by that. Okay, so Lynn, I want to, first of all, thanks for your call. Great comment. I want to react to it in two different ways. You want to hear what it sounds like when money changes somebody's mind? We're going to play something to you from last night, speaking of Trump TV. Just like we've been saying, please take COVID seriously. I can't say it enough. Enough people have died. We don't need any more deaths. Research like crazy. Talk to your doctor, your doctors, medical professionals you trust based on your unique medical history, your current medical condition, and you and your doctor make a very important decision for your own safety. Take it seriously. You also have a right to medical privacy. Doctor-patient confidentiality is also important. And it absolutely makes sense for many Americans to get vaccinated. I believe in science. I believe in the science of vaccination. All right. That's Sean Hannity, by the way. (laughs) Now, uh, what I would say about this a little bit, first of all, I I was trying to get a little bit more of a sense of whether this is a completely new thing for him. And his followers say anyway, he's been kind of trending in that direction for a while. But a lot of these people on Fox, Fox really was, of course, you know, a fountain of misinformation about the disease itself and about the vaccine and all this kind of stuff. And it continues to be, I mean, as long as Laura Ingram lives and breathes, there's going to be a lot of BS, you know, spewing out of Fox. But um, it, it might not be entirely unconnected to Lynn's point about money changing everything, including mines to the poor performance of the stock market in recent days because that I mean, it's clear now that um, particularly if the world doesn't get vaccinated, it's not just this country, if the world doesn't get vaccinated, I mean, there's going to be a lot of reasons why we would want the world to get vaccinated, starting with the fact that these are people, we don't want them dying needlessly <laughs> of a disease against which they could be vaccinated. But I mean, if you want to just care about us, um, the supply chains are going to break again. Uh, so... Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons the markets are, are jumpy right now, which might get Fox's attention in the way that and Mur- Rupert Murdoch's attention in particular in ways that other uh, things don't get their attention. All right. So I made that. Oh, I have to say one other thing. I know there's a lot of calls. We're going to go to Hiram next. But um, when she said lottery, I flashed again to the movie Contagion because one of the few things that Steven Soderbergh did not correctly anticipate, I don't think, in that movie I mean, if you remember that movie, there's a lottery keyed to your birthday, I believe, about who gets the vaccine. And the people who who win the lottery, who get the first wave of vaccines, are, I think, depicted as almost universally jubilant. <laughs> oh, good. I can get vaccines. Now, they've seen a lot more people dying around them. And so that might, in fact, you know, talk about incentivizing. Uh, that's like the best incentive of all. But um, the notion that people that you'd have to use other kinds of lotteries to get people to get vaccines, I think was not anticipated in that movie. All right, let's move on to Hiram in Wallingford, which is a, a center, a nerve center of space exploration. Uh, Hiram, you're on the air. Hi, Colin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, this this is like a little bit of a nuanced question, but yesterday I saw 
uh, recorded a live stream of, um, you know, Jeff Bezos' uh, flight into space, quote-unquote. And I don't know but if it struck anyone else this way, but, you know, they usually have the speed and altitude where you, you can see what, where it is in relation to the Earth. And, you know, from my perspective, from what I was looking at, it almost didn't seem as though they ever experienced what many people would imagine space to be. You can see it, uh, it ascends in feet as to how high it was in altitude. And then seemingly when it was uh, no longer moving, it just started to drop down. So I could, I would imagine those inside that capsule would feel like they're weightless, but it, it doesn't seem like the, the craft itself was ever weightless. And, and therefore, you know, I don't know if that's what most people imagine uh, going into space is. See, sorry, uh, that no, no, that's, that's it's an interesting question. It just happens to be one that in this context I don't care about. I don't care whether they're weightless. I don't care if their entire body turns inside out up there. Uh, to my way of thinking, we start this conversation with this is an obscene waste of resources. These people should be doing something more helpful with their enormous fortunes and their apparently uh, in, in, uh, inexhaustible amounts of allocable time. <laughs> <laughs> they should be doing something else besides shooting their rich behinds up into space along with some 18-year-old kid whose daddy bought him a seat because he's like a Dutch financier worth a billion dollars. Please. Uh, so I don't care whether he's weightless or not. It doesn't interest me at all. All right. Here's uh, – but I, I mean I, I grant that it might be interested to, uh, interesting to other people. You know, I'm going to go to Bill right now. I just have to say that this sort of touches on a point that one of my heroes, Frank Skinner, was making on his radio show this weekend, which is, why do they announce the height of, like, planes in feet? You know? <laughs> like, if you, were, if you were teaching a math class and you, were, you said to the kids, what kind of measurement would you want to use to sort of get a real sense of how high a plane was, an airplane was in the sky? Feet would be the wrong answer. You know, you want to use the, form, the measurement that cl most closely resembles the distance you're looking at. You know? <laughs> so if the distance is really kind of a matter of miles— you know, why would you say I'm, we're cruising at 36,000 feet or whatever, 60,000 feet? Well, yeah, why would you do that? And feet is not a good way to measure this stuff. All right, never mind. Um, I'm getting people to hang up their phones here. Here's Bill in Canton. Hi, Bill. Hi, how are you? Good. Well, let me just kind of jump right into it. Um, regarding, um, you know, the people's right to not vaccine, um, it seems to me that uh, – and it's unfortunate that our country or society as a whole has become very selfish over the years. Um, I'm not old enough to, but I certainly know stories from my, my parents that, you know, back in World War II, people were asked to sacrifice. Uh, there were rationing, there was rationing going on. There was uh, curfews, and people did it because it was the patriotic thing and it was the right thing to do. Nobody was talking about their liberties being violated or uh, having the right to leave their lights on and their windows up at night. Uh, it just seems to me that uh, people are selfish today. Uh, they want what they want, and they don't care about anything else. And uh, I, I just think it's very unfortunate that uh, we've deteriorated. Oh, you might be cutting out. Maybe 
Maybe the uh, super elect have tried to interfere with this phone transmission. That would be my guess anyway. I would go straight to the Alex Jones conspiracy theory. Um, Bilderbergers screwing with Bill's phone. But he's right. He's absolutely right. And we are going to selfish ourselves into oblivion if we apply that kind of attitude, that kind of mindset to the climate crisis that we are in right now. We're no longer awaiting the climate crisis or riding a slow raft towards it. We are in the climate crisis. That's what it looks like. Germany is flooded. The American West is on fire. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Sometimes I must confess We can deal with rockets and dreams But reality, what does it mean? Ain't nothing said Cause Fred is dead And we are back. Now is my time to say thank you, first of all, to Kat Pastor. Uh, she's the technical producer of this show, and she's the person who's sort of making it all happen, making it all work. And Jonathan McPants is the episode producer. He's the one screening the calls here. He's up in Hartford today, too. This is the second time we've done this. Uh, we did it last week, too. But, I mean, prior to that, we hadn't done it since March of the preceding year. Um, all right. So we got lots of calls here. 860-275-7266. Uh, we'll start with Chris and then we'll cruise around and see what else is here. Hi, Chris uh, from Weathersfield. Hi. You are on the air. Yeah. Um, well, you talked about uh, what you think the obscenity is. Um, I happen to think it's capitalism. And that's something that we have to deal with. Uh, it's associated with democracy. Um my second thing is I I don't I really have a problem that technology has really dumbed down America. Um, I mean we have people that are uh, engaged in uh, using their opposable thumbs to uh, tap out messages with pictures. Yes, and I. Yes. The last, the, the most important thing is, um, you know, we have met the enemy, and it is us, it's technology, and we are voters. We have the power. Right. And the, yes. The, we, we need a, the, I'm, I'm keep getting told that it's the process that we have uh, in our system and we have to get a process of competition that brings out the best of civil servants. Yeah, I would, I would agree with everything that you said. Um, I'm not sure there is time, really, to fix that process in the way that maybe it needs to be fixed. It's sort of a more of a long-term thing. Right now, though, I mean, we really do have to face the fact that we are the enemy. You know, and to whatever degree, and I would include myself in this, and Bill is right, you know. I mean, if you're just, like, absolutely addicted to your AC, even on a day when it's 73 outside, if you're, you know, really would rather have something shipped by Amazon in lots of cardboard inside cardboard inside cardboard, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we, we are the enemy and we have to change some stuff. We have to vote with our feet, so to speak, but really sort of vote uh, with our bodies and, and our impulses. So uh, here's Bill in Brookfield. We only have time for one or two more calls. Hi, Bill. Hi there. A couple comments first. Um, 
I, there's literally not a person on earth that I would wish death on, but we may be living through Darwin in real time. If people feel like they don't want to get vaccinated for whatever reason, eventually, perhaps, a lot of them will be killed off and the rest of us can go on. And the second thing is regarding incentives for vaccines, if if lifting and protecting one's family is not enough of an inducement to get the vaccine, I'm not sure a gift card from a local coffee shop is going to do the trick. You're probably right, so though Though a golf chair might. Uh, people love those golf chairs. Um, the uh, Have they tried that? Have they tried golf chairs? People love golf chairs. Uh, all right, so let me go to, you know the reason I know this? I, I used to have this old, highly irresponsible radio show on an irresponsible commercial station. And for a while, I had my own religion. It was called Everything is a Chicken. And one time, I had some golf chairs because, like, promotional stuff comes into commercial radio stations all the time. So I offered people a golf chair if they would come on the show and renounce their current religion in favor of my religion. <laughs> and I would give them a golf chair. And it was, like, really easy. And I mean, like, But they had to say I used to be an X or a Y or a Z. Uh, and now I am I'm joining your religion um, and leaving that one, and it was really easy. I mean, you know, people all it took was a golf chair. All right, here's uh, David in Hamden. Hi, David, you're on the air. Hi, Colin. I was watching the coverage this morning, and I'm old enough to remember watching Alan Shepard's first launch. Me too. And boy, I tell you, um, <laughs> I was so unimpressed and disheartened. And the icing on the cake was after they landed. This pickup pulls up, and a guy with a DeWalt drill, pull, you know, I'm remembering to the carriers and the helicopters. It just seems like 60-plus years, and this is where we're at. You know, these guys with too much money, not knowing what to do with it. And we could have been to Mars, you know. Right. I mean, that that's, I mean, so much of what we've been kind of looking at over the last year or so, particularly, or more than a year now, as we, so there's been so much culture kind of that, w- that was keyed into the early days of the space program, to the first uh, lunar landing, stuff like that. But the truth is, you know, our technology should have advanced vastly uh, from the time of Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. And instead, you know, yeah, it's like this big deal that some rich guy went up there and, <laughs> <laughs> sort of scratched the surface of space and came back down. I, I agree. This, this, the idea that that's supposed to really impress us. The problem is, though, it's not supposed to impress us. It's a commercial. That's a commercial. One of the things I was like really annoyed at Stephen Colbert because he was sort of the MC for the Branson launch. This is a commercial for a future form of commercial space tourism, which shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have space tourism. That's not a good idea. Environmentally, it's not a good idea. As an allocation of resources, it's not a good idea. It's This is a, a big, fat commercial in which the news media has gleefully participated in for a, a form of commerce that should never be allowed to happen, should be strangled in its crib today. <laughs> and and gl- we should speak as a world and say, we don't want this. Do something else with your money. Do something that would actually be helpful instead of trying to uh, invent a new business frontier that we don't need. Space tourism is not going to be helpful. Um, all right. So let's uh, go to, I don't know. It's like, um, I'm going to go to Max. Uh, hi, Max. You're on the air. Uh, hi, Colin. Thanks. Um, I just uh, uh, re- regarding the fact that uh, a lot of people who are vaccinated are maybe cutting 
uh, the vaccine hesitant uh, folks uh, too much slack. Uh, they should uh, it should give them pause to think of the fact that the more this uh, vaccine percolates in the in the society, uh, we'll go beyond the Delta variant. And although I feel comfortable uh, in being protected from severe or you know, de- severe disease or death uh, with the vaccine I've got, that may not be true of the uh, Epsilon or the Zeta, Eta or Theta or whatever the next one is. So everyone potentially could be at risk if this sits around for a long time because our vaccines may not do the job anymore. Right. I mean, I, I did try to make that point earlier that basically the people who are unvaccinated right now who are allowing, there's sort of an expression in sports called letting the other team hang around. So like you're you're beating them, you know, in the top of the third quarter of a basketball game, you're up, you know, 80 to 64 or something. But then you let them hang around. You let them hang around. You let them stay close. You know, you don't put them away. You don't score another 10 unanswered points uh, and completely knock them out of the game. That's called letting them hang around. And you let them hang around, they can get back in the game. They might win the game. And that's what we're doing with the virus right now. We're letting it hang around. Uh, if, if we're going to stall at around 48% of total population vaccinated, we're going to let the virus hang around. And, and he's right. Max is right that the consequence of that will be a virus that will escape the vaccine. It will be a mutation because that's – I mean if we, if we could get to 85%, now it wouldn't have to be all vaccines. There's some naturally acquired immunity out there at this point. A lot of people have the disease. But if we can get to some version of 85%, which I don't think we're close to right now, then the virus kind of doesn't really have any host anymore. It's very hard for it to find a new home. And it has fewer chances to to mutate and, and create variants that escape and, and get us really badly. All right. So I dare not take another call uh, because we're almost out of time here. But I, I first of all, I want to say thank you for, for participating in this show. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and I'm um, sorry if we didn't get to you, Fred and Chris and David. And everybody who called the show today was either named Matt or Mike or David or Chris, uh, except for one Max. Uh, and uh, But thanks for doing this. We're, we're going to do it more often because, first of all, <laughs> we haven't hired a new senior producer yet. So we have, we have to do this because this is a show we can do with a relatively – I mean, you know, Mr. Pants has to drive up here from his house and all. It's not like the producers don't have to do anything. They do. But uh, it's a way that we can kind of do a fresh new show for you in addition to the other shows we're going to do this week. If you're listening to this live on Tuesday – um, you should know that tomorrow is a show produced by Lily Tyson all about meetings because, like, we had more meetings. You know, we, had, we just had, like, a lot more meetings because it got so easy to do it with Zoom. Not only that, but you could quantify how many meetings there were, were happening on Zoom and Google Meet and stuff like that. But, like, do we need all these meetings? Do they do anything? <laughs> What's the history of meetings? Like, the five families meeting in The Godfather, even that ultimately really didn't accomplish all that much. It just caused a lot of trouble. They would have been better off not having that meeting. All right. Anyway, thanks to everybody. Uh, meetings tomorrow. It is tomorrow right? that we're doing meetings. I don't know. I'm saying this very confidently. <laughs> so join us for that. <laughs>